1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, August the 26th, 2021. Today's show, we start with Shane Beamer's presser media availability on Tuesday. Guys, I give my full takeaways from everything Shane Beamer said as we now sit just nine days away from kickoff. A lot of interesting tidbits, a lot of interesting takeaways from what Shane Beamer had to say to the media on Tuesday. Also, guys, as we count down the days to kick off, we continue with the 2021 Position Unit Preview Series. Guys, on today's show, we're talking Gamecocks linebackers entering the 2021 football season. Guys, first things first, we'll look back at how the linebackers fared a season ago. We'll also meet the linebackers. We'll talk most prove, best overall. Season will be successful if, and I'll give my overall grade for the Gamecocks linebackers heading in the 2021 football season. Also, guys, we've got news and notes to get into, your listener questions, and a fantastic conversation, guys. A great interview with the head coach of Gamecocks Rugby, John Roberts, joined me in studio to talk about his program, their initiatives, the upcoming season, guys. A lot of exciting stuff there, guys. we got a great show here on a Thursday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, Custom creating and packaging for special items. And cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys. So, a Gamecock owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website. UpstateMoversGroup.com That's UpstateMoversGroup.com Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you Let's get it And gents, boys and girls, nine more days, just nine more days until the beginning of the Shane Beamer era, and we are all at the tailgate together, filing our way into a packed Williams Bryce Stadium, being surrounded by 80,000 of our closest friends, all wearing garnet and black. Nine more days. Congratulations to you all, folks. We have made it To single single-digit days away from the Gamecocks' 2021 football season. Folks, hope you're doing well here on this Thursday. Appreciate you all tuning in. I'm Chris Phillips, shows the Spurs Up show, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this finds you well. Wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're on the job, you got the day off, you're in class. Whatever it might be, folks, thank you all so much for tuning in. Like I said, I'm fired up. We are down to single-digit days Away from kickoff, we finally made it. It's crazy. There is college football on TV this weekend. Yes, I know it's like Nebraska, Illinois, and San Diego State, and Utah State, and some of these wacky games, but folks, either way, there's college football on television. We're single-digit days away from the beginning of the Shane Beamer era, and Gamecocks football hitting the field once Again, man, it feels so good. It feels so good. And we have a lot of moving pieces right now, a lot of positive momentum, a lot of things happening, guys, with events. You guys see it all over social media with um, the 10 roof stuff, the Halls Chop house stuff. Make sure, I'll say this, make sure you stay tuned to social media for everything happening, guys, because yours truly is all over the place. It's a blessing. I love it. By the way, guys, here's something exciting for you here on this Thursday. In case you forgot, this is the last week of Just Monday, Thursday podcast. Starting on Monday of next week, we will be back for the foreseeable future. Five podcasts per week. The daily podcasts return. I am very, very excited. And again, guys, this is the last show of not a game week show for the 2021 football season for the foreseeable future. Great stuff. But again, let's go ahead and dive into it, guys. Again, of course, we're talking South Carolina football today. We have a lot to get into Here on a Thursday, and first things first, I want to start with Shane Beamer's media availability, his presser on Tuesday. We actually watched this together, you might recall, on the Daily Crow, and just a couple of things that stood out to me of what Shane Beamer said. I I, I won't say there was anything earth-shattering or groundbreaking or Shane Beamer revealed anything. Of course, all eyes right now and all attention is focused on the quarterback position. And who, who is going to be QB1 next weekend against Eastern Illinois? And I told you guys beforehand, it would not have surprised me at all if Shane Beamer would have announced his starting quarterback. But, of course, he did not. That was the number one takeaway. The quarterback battle rages on for South Carolina. Will it be Zeb Noland? Will it be Jason Brown? Will it be Colton Gothier, Connor Jordan? Will Luke Doty be healthy enough to come back? I'll tell you guys this the more that I hear Shane Beamer talk about the quarterback position going into that game, and the more I hear Shane Beamer talk about the quarterback battle and the guys on the roster, and you know, I think he seems pretty hopeful and optimistic, actually, that Luke Doty will return for EIU. But I think realistically, I think we all know the odds of Luke Doty playing are fairly slim, because again, you're coming back from a sprain. It's Eastern Illinois. You're going to beat the Panthers no matter who you put under center. Let's just call it for what it is. And to rush him back, I think would be a foolish decision. And I think something they will not do, because I think we all at this point believe Luke Doty will be ready to go week two. And as I've told you guys before, you know, this is a fun conversation. Whenever you're talking quarterbacks, it's a fun conversation. But It's really only a conversation for week one. You guys know how I feel about the quarterback position. I think Luke Doty is the best option with this football team. He is QB one for this football team when healthy. So as fun as the convo is, this isn't a, a conversation I expect to be ongoing throughout the season. But I'll tell you this, the more that I hear Shane Beamer talk about the quarterback battle, if you will, going into EIU and specifically between Nolan Brown and Gauthier, You know, it's crazy, because I think it was a week ago to the date, I said that I never expected Zeb Noland to see the field. Never even expected it. I I thought there was no chance. I thought it was something where, hey, he's just coming on the roster to be a depth filler, a guy that's going to help you with depth and help you in practice and just provide another body and help out your football team as you go into week one, but never expected him to be a factor. And then... We started hearing rumblings and then we heard more rumblings and then those rumblings picked up momentum. And now, guys, I sit here on this Thursday, August the 26th, just nine days away from kickoff. And I got to tell you, the more Shane Beamer talks about Zeb Noland, I would be pretty shocked at this point if Zeb Noland is not your starter against Eastern Illinois. And I know that sounds crazy. I feel crazy saying it, guys. It's insane. I actually saw a tweet from, I think, literally a week ago that said, imagine if a guy who wasn't even on the roster at the beginning of fall camp is your starting quarterback going into week one. But I think that's where you sit right now. I think Shane Beamer, you know, they want to ask him, hey, have you named a starter? When do you want to name a starter? And he kept referencing to, well, you know, Zeb Nolan's only had three, four practices. He hasn't had a ton of practices. We want to see him more. If they're that eager to see more of Zeb Nolan, if they're that eager to give him a chance to win the job, it's obvious to me they kind of want him to win the job. Again, I think they're going to play the guy that gives you the best chance to win. And by the way, guys, I think all the quarterbacks are going to play week one. So who starts really doesn't matter outside of it. it's just fun for us to debate and talk about. Really, truly. But... The more Shane Beamer talks about Zeb Nolan, the more I feel like that Zeb Nolan is going to get the start, which again, sounds crazy. But I think when you look at his power five experience, his experience playing college football as a whole, the previous relationship that Shane Beamer has with Zeb Nolan, knowing him, knowing his father, knowing him from the area he's from, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a slap in the face. A lot of people are looking at that way to the quarterback room of, but, You look at those guys. Jason Brown has never played on this level, only comes from FCS St. Francis, has never taken a snap on this level, and Colton Gothier, of course, has never taken a snap in college football. I know fans are scarred and battered and bruised from the Colin Hill saga and what happened, and people are like, oh, my God, here we go again. It's another Colin Hill. I don't view it that way, guys. I view it as, you know what? Shane Beamer wants to have as clean and efficient a football game as possible in Week One, and which guy on the roster is going to be able to go out and run the offense? And maybe he's not going to be flashy and throw for three hundred yards or do anything crazy. But I think you're looking at it right now and saying, "Okay, who's just not going to mess it up? Who's not going to go out there and, and and embarrass us and make us look foolish and and make us look sloppy against the EIU team that we should probably beat by forty or fifty points?" I think Zeb Nolan right now is probably that guy. And if I had to predict right now, I think Zeb Nolan at some point, will it be today? Will it be tomorrow? You know, they said they'd like to have a starter name by late this week. So I think this could come out at any point. It would not shock me at all if Zeb Nolan. I expect it to happen that Zeb Nolan will be named the starting quarterback for the Gamecocks season opener against EIU. Of course, the quarterback position is what everyone wants to talk about, but that wasn't the only thing that Shane Beamer spoke on uh, in his Tuesday presser. One thing that really stood out to me, and, you know, I have voiced this multiple times. I'm not sure if I've even said it on air necessarily. Um, I think I've said it on the Daily Crow multiple times, maybe on social media. I haven't talked about it a ton, I think, but I have definitely voiced this a couple of times. Um, When people talk about best case, worst case scenario for the season, you know, what are you highest on? What are you most worried about? And Shane Beamer got asked, hey, coach, what's your biggest concern for your squad going into the season? And, you know, I could tell it caught Shane Beamer a bit off guard, but I appreciated his honesty. Guys, Shane Beamer said this. He said, when you have the amount of new guys that we have, and he he prefaced it by saying, you know, every team in college football is dealing with this. I feel like he kind of softened the blow of the delivery of the answer. But what he said was this. He said, when you have the amount of new guys that are coming from different places that weren't on the roster a year ago, that we are depending on this season, you know, you wonder how they're going to adjust and react. And he mentioned schools specifically, Georgia Military, Assumption College, home of friend of the show, Mike Yuva. He mentioned those two specifically. And it's kind of wild because Shane Beamer echoed what my greatest concern is going in this 2021 football season, at least one of my biggest concerns. And that concern is this, guys. And this is meant at no, as no slight and no disrespect to any player on the roster. But it's a real concern. When you're depending on the amount of quote-unquote lower-level players, and when I say lower-level players, I mean transfers from FCS schools, Division II schools, I mean, even JUCO. We've seen some really, really good JUCO guys come in here. But really the FCS and D2 guys, right? Right. Schools will take on those type of players as depth boosters and you need bodies. And again, I commend Shane Beamer and the staff for boosting the roster as much as possible going into the transfer portal. But you have a lot of guys on your roster from lower level schools that you're not just depending on to play every now and then. You're not just depending on them to eat up a couple of snaps here and there. You're depending on them to play to start for you and play meaningful snaps week after week after week in the SEC. And, guys, I've talked about individual players. I'm going to talk about one a little bit later when we talk about the linebackers. I've talked about individual players when it comes to this storyline. I mean, a guy like Debo Williams from Delaware, a guy like EJ Jenkins even from St. Francis, Jason Brown from St. Francis, David Spaulding from Georgia Southern, Carlin Splatel from Assumption, you know, Marcellus Dial from uh, Georgia Military, You know, there are a lot of guys the Gamecocks are depending on. Jordan Strawn from Georgia State. And, yes, I know a lot of these guys balled out at their lower-level schools and put up great numbers and everything, but it is an adjustment to the SEC. I mean, I I truly appreciate and respect these guys' confidence. I love the confidence. You know, when Carlin Splatel stood up behind that microphone at that podium and said, hey, the D2 in the SEC, there really is no difference. Bro, I respect your confidence. I I respect that attitude, but there is a difference. (laughs) Like Nobody's sitting here saying that, oh, there's just no difference. And so some of those guys are going to pan out and be really, really good players. Some of those guys are going to be just okay. But guys, I think it's realistic to believe that some of them, the game's going to be too fast. They're not going to be ready for this level. They're not. So Shane Beamer and I share the same concern. When you're depending on that amount of guys, And you're going to go through this gauntlet that is the SEC schedule. And you just don't know how those guys are going to react. And you're not going to know until you go through the season. They may be great. They may all be All-Americans. But the game also might be too much. It might be. You just don't know. You just don't know. And, again, that is something that you look at this football team, and it's, it's certainly a concern. It's something that makes you a little bit nervous. At least it makes me nervous. Maybe not you, but it makes me nervous is, When you're depending on the amount of lower level guys, right, it's concerning. And again, it's no slight to any of those guys. None of them. It's no slight. It's no slight at all. I'm all about guys get under recruited or slept on or whatever. But again, just the sheer number of them that we are depending on to start for us. That's a bit concerning. And it was interesting to hear Shane Beamer actually voice that. As well. Finally, final takeaway from Shane Bieber's presser again. For the most part, outside of those two things, it was pretty much par for the course. Um, he did close the presser with the crate questions comment, which I thought was really funny. And I'll say this just really quickly: you guys probably know what he was referring to with the the, the crate challenge video that came out. I believe it was on Monday night. I don't care if our guys cut up, have fun, have a good time. I'm not here to be the fun police. I was a college athlete, guys. Like, let them live. Let them do their thing in their free time, whatever. As long as you're taking care of your business on the field and you're representing the university in a positive light, I don't care what you do. But with that being said, when you're at that point, you were 12 days away from kickoff, like, just don't do anything stupid. Just don't do anything stupid. And the crate challenge is one of the dumbest things I've probably ever seen. And before anybody asks, no, I will not be doing the crate challenge. Absolutely not. No, thanks. I'm good on that. All right. Let's move into our position at preview series, guys. We continue along with that, talking about the Gamecocks linebackers. Heading in the 2021 football season, a very interesting position unit. Again, as we move from front to back in this Gamecocks defense, I feel like things get a little more questionable as we go. Before we talk about this year's group, though, let's look back at the 2020 football season and how the linebackers fared a season ago. And of course, I think arguably, I think actually not arguably, I think the the most underrated loss and the one that nobody is talking about for this Gamecocks football team this year is middle linebacker Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones leading your team in tackles yet again a season ago. 86 total tackles, five tackles for loss. He had a sack and a fumble recovery. I thought this was interesting, and this is a guy that nobody's talking about. Second was Damani Staley out of the linebackers. 51 tackles, half a tackle for loss. Of course, the Sherrod Green injury really hampered this group a season ago. You had guys like Mokaba, who was a true freshman. But it was a group that, I'll tell you this, on a defense that really, really struggled. I mean, we know the statistics at this point. Ernest Jones was that lunch pail player that showed up week after week after week and just gave you the same performance you could always count and that's why he got drafted and that's why he's in the NFL but Ernest Jones I think guys the most underrated loss on this Gamecocks football team can South Carolina fill the shoes of a departed Ernest Jones that is the biggest question mark and again we'll get more into that here in just a little bit all right let's meet the linebackers for the 2021 football season we start with redshirt freshman and the transfer from Delaware, Debo Williams, redshirt senior Brad Johnson, fifth year Damani Staley, junior Bam Martin Scott, sophomore Mokaba, freshman Colby Fields, freshman KJ Scott, freshman Ronnie Porter, redshirt freshman Daryl Ware, redshirt junior Racinda Lewis Jr., redshirt senior Sherrod Green, redshirt senior Spencer Easton Riddle, redshirt senior Sean McGonigal, uh, freshman Andrew. Colicerto. I apologize, Andrew, if I butchered that last name. Andrew Colacerto from Inman, South Carolina. That rounds out the linebackers for the 2021 football season. All right, let's talk most to prove best overall season will be successful. If, and I'll give my overall grade with the Gamecocks linebackers heading in the 2021 football season. And when you talk most to prove, we'll start there. I just talked about it a few minutes ago, right? Shane Beamer's biggest concern is my biggest concern. When you're depending on the amount of guys to play significant snaps and start in many instances that South Carolina is that come from schools where they were not here last year, they were not at SEC schools, and a lot of them were at lower level schools, it can be concerning. And to his credit, by the way, since he stepped foot on campus, this has been a guy that people have said he's a leader in the weight room, he's a leader on the field. Hey, we saw him in the spring game. I thought he looked pretty solid in the spring game. Or what you can take away from that, if you will. My most approved, the Delaware transfer, Debo Williams. And the reason I have him as my most proof, because guys, there's a lot of guys in this room that have a lot to prove. Guys who have just kind of floated on the roster the last couple of years and, and really haven't done anything, really haven't taken that next step, if you will, to, to you know be an elite football player and be a guy that can be, can, be a contributor down after down, play after play, week after week. But Debo Williams, people are expecting so much of this kid. He was a good player at Delaware. Don't get me wrong. But again, he's one of those guys I look at. What is the adjustment going to be like for Debo Williams going from Delaware to the SEC? Because, guys, Delaware is not the SEC. And I want to make one thing very clear because somebody asked me this before. They're like, oh, why are you saying players from Delaware can't play good at South Carolina? Marshawn Lloyd's from Delaware. No, no, I'm not saying he's from the state of Delaware. He played at what Delaware college, or I'm sorry if I'm disrespecting Delaware university or whatever they are, but he played at the school, the college Delaware, he played at Delaware, right? So coming from that level, what type of impact can Debo Williams make for this group? Because again, this is a group that's looking to fill the void of Ernest Jones, right? They're looking to fill that void. Is Debo Williams going to be that guy? Is Sherrod Green going to be that guy? Is Mo Cobb is? Is Lewis? Is Damani Staley? Who's going to be that guy? And we've heard a lot of positive things about Debo Williams. He's a headhunter. He loves to hit. I mean, you love the comments you've seen from Debo Williams thus far. Seems like he's a really, really physical player. But again, how's he going to react when you line up against Georgia? Because Delaware is not the SEC. And this Gamecocks defense is looking for playmakers, looking for people to make big impacts right? You're going to be asking a lot of him. So is Debo Williams ready to come into his own, to step up, to be a playmaker for South Carolina, be a run stopper? Hey, do it in run, do it in pass, do it all over. Is he ready to make that adjustment from the level he was at previously to this SEC level? That to me is why Debo Williams stands out as the most. Again, I think the talent is there. We've heard a lot of great things. 6'1", 235 has good size as well. Obviously a leader, that goes a long way. But as Shane Beamer said, it is a bit concerning when you just don't know. You just don't know until live bullets start flying September the 4th and then as we go throughout this 2021 football season. So again, my most approved, the Delaware transfer linebacker Debo Williams. All right, let's talk best overall. And again, this one was not easy to pick. I'll be honest with you guys. This was not easy to pick because there are a lot of unproven guys in this room and a lot of guys that need to show something. This is your bottom line. But when I looked at best overall, I looked at a guy that it feels like this is like his 17th year on campus and, and somebody that, you know what? I, I could have put him as most approved, to too, because it's a putter for shut up year. I mean, your final year is a Gamecock. But someone who just has so much experience, he's seen so much football, he has so much knowledge of the game. And to his credit, I think you've seen him improve over the course of his career. So my best overall for the Gamecocks linebackers, at least entering the season, is the veteran Sherrod Green. Isn't it crazy? I mean, dude, I remember in the infancy of the Spurs up show talking about Sherrod green and how he was a liability and he wasn't a very good player. And again, give credit to Sherrod. He's really coming to his own. He's really improved his game. And I think Sherrod green. Now is a guy, again, you look at in this room, who's going to replace Ernest Jones. I mean, this is a guy who is a veteran. He's a guy you should be able to turn to and say, Hey, Sherrod, pick up the slack, be our leading tackler. Right? So, Best overall for me, and again, he earns this honor just being off, based off being a veteran. I look at Sherrod Green as a guy with his experience, his football IQ. If nothing else, he does give you that veteran presence in the middle. My biggest question for Sherrod is in pass coverage. I feel good about him stopping the run. I, I feel good about him stopping the run. But in pass, in this 4-2-5 scheme, how much does it help a guy like Sherrod Green? So again, my best overall, the veteran, Sherrod Green. All right, let's get in. a season will be successful if, and guys, I've said it multiple times. I've tried to bite my tongue, but I just can't help myself. It's very simple. For the Gamecocks linebackers, the 2021 season will be successful if they can simply fill the void that Ernest Jones left, whether that's one guy, whether it's multiple guys, who's going to fill that void? Because you know what's scary is... You know, you feel like, and again, nobody thinks South Carolina's is linebacker you. For whatever reason, we, we've never been a been a program that like stockpiles or just or just produces great linebackers, like you know, top draft picks year after year after year. And that's no disrespect to guys who have, have come here and, and played great football. I mean, we've had some good players, don't get me wrong, but I don't think anybody looks at South Carolina and says, Oh, linebacker you. But we've had some darn good ones. I mean, you think back Ernest Jones. Before he, it was T.J. Brunson. Before he, it was Sky Moore. Before he, it was T.J. Holloman. Before he, it was Shaq Wilson. Before he, it was Jasper Brinkley, right? You've had those guys, at least one guy in the middle that you could really depend on. I I don't know who that guy is this year, guys. I I don't know, you know? Who's going to be the leading tackler on the defense? Like, which one of these linebackers is going to step up? Like I told you guys, it, in my opinion, is the most underrated loss on the Gamecocks defense, the loss of Ernest Jones. He was your leader. He was the heart and soul of your defense. He was the lunch pail type of player that showed up week after week after week, and you knew exactly what you were getting from Ernest Jones, right? Leading tackler, I think, what, three of his four years, maybe all four years or something like that. I mean, we've had a linebacker lead our team in tackling, it feels like, for the last 10 years in a row, right? Who is going to be that guy? Because as good as your defensive line is, If you're weak at linebacker, you will get exposed. You will. Because in the 4-2-5 defense, those two are really important. Those two are really, really, really important, right? And who are those two going to be? So I don't know if it's one player. I don't know if it's multiple players. But for this season to be successful for this group, you got to fill the void that was left by Ernest Jones. Again, I, I don't know if there's one guy on this team, this group that can currently do it. I don't know. If it's got to be multiple guys, so be it. But you got to fill the void left. I think it's such an underrated loss. I think nobody's talking about it. Nobody's giving credit to it. We all want to talk about quarterback and receiver and secondary. And, and that's all fair. That's fine and dandy. But losing Ernest Jones, that was a blow. That's a blow for this team. That's a blow for this defense. So season will be successful for the linebackers in 2021. If you can simply fill the void that Ernest Jones left with his departure. All right, let's talk overall grade for the Gamecocks linebackers heading into 2021 football season. Guys, like I said, as you move from front to back on this defense, the questions begin to increase, right? The questions begin to increase and you start to feel less confident and less confident and less confident as you move back. When I look at this group, You know, South Carolina, if I had to grade the Gamecocks linebackers for like the last 10 years, really, it's normally like an average, like CC plus, nothing crazy, nothing flashy. You normally have one guy that's pretty solid, but you know, like I said, South Carolina will never get mistaken for linebacker you for whatever reason. I feel very similarly about this group, but the difference is you don't have that one guy. You, You really don't. There's nobody that's proven in this group that you're going to say, oh, that guy will be our leading tackler. I would challenge you guys, and you can leave this in the comments. You can DM me, whatever. Who's going to lead South Carolina in tackles this year? Will it come from the linebacking core? Will it come from somewhere else? I mean, because at this point, I have no idea. I have no clue. So... You know, I think there's talent in this room. You know, we've heard great things. By the way, I haven't talked about him yet, but Brad Johnson. We've we've heard great things about him. I'm very high on what Mokaba can be, a young player. I think Debo Williams could be a solid player for you from uh, Delaware. I think Sherrod Green, obviously. I mean, he's due to play his best football, being the veteran that he is, coming back from injury. Damani Staley, obviously, again showed he could play solid football for you last year. But overall, the the, the thing that this group is missing is that standout dude, that Ernest Jones type of player, that TJ Brunson, that Sky Moore, that leader, if you will. And I think at least early in the season, it'll be all about finding that guy and this unit will suffer because of that, because they do not have that leader in the middle. So again, my overall grade for the Gamecocks linebackers, give me a C minus. Um, you know, I think it's a very average group. I'll be totally honest with you right now. I think it's an average group. I think it's very average. Um, I don't think there's one standout guy. If you want, again, when you're depending on, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the group and you're depending on, Hey, our top guy is going to be a transfer from Delaware. That's a scary thing. He might turn into turn out to be a great player, but that's a scary thing if you're South Carolina. So again, you know, the, the linebacker position has never been one that you look at and say, oh, man, that's a, that's a huge strength for South Carolina. You know, they have, they have great linebackers this year. I don't ever recall a year where that was the case, even when you had some of the greats that I mentioned. But uh, this year especially, man, I, I, you know, I, I look at guys like Racendo Lewis. Is he finally going to step up and be something? Man, a guy that was a highly regarded prospect in recruiting. And I think he went to the Under Armour All-American game. And, you know, we heard great things about him. Hasn't done anything since he stepped on campus. Brad Johnson, a guy that went from D into linebacker that we had high hopes for, hasn't really panned out. You know, Sherrod Green, extremely inconsistent. Damani Staley, just kind of there. Not, not really an impact player, in my opinion. And then Debo Williams, a transfer from Delaware. So, you know, there are a lot of question marks within this group. I think there's a lot of potential. Again, I, Mo Kaba's a guy I love. I love his upside. Absolutely love his upside. But I think this is another position group for South Carolina, where there are more question marks than answers right now. I think there are more question marks than answers, and for that reason, I give the Gamecocks linebackers a C minus during the 2021 football season. So again, guys, that's going to do it for the position unit preview of the Gamecocks linebackers on Monday's show. We will have our final position unit preview, and are we saving? The best for last. We're going to talk South Gonna secondary on the Monday show. So, again, it should be a very, very interesting show. We're talking about the Gamecocks secondary, one of arguably the biggest question mark on this entire football team. All right, let's get into news and notes really quickly and what happened have in your listener questions. Uh, really, only one quick thing to note for Gamecocks named to the coaches preseason all SEC team, JJ and Igbari on the first team. Kevin Harris on the second team, and then Zach Pickens and Nick Muse on your third team. I was surprised this just got released, by the way. I thought the coaches preseason poll or coaches preseason All-SEC team got released during media days, but I guess I was wrong. But again, congratulations to those four Gamecocks. And guys, just on this note, I tell you guys, hey, give Shane Beamer time. Be patient. Let him recruit. The difference of where South Carolina is right now and where they need to get to realistically compete, just look at the coaches' preseason all-SEC team. The Gamecocks have four players listed. Georgia has 11. Alabama has 15. I'm just saying, it's all about the Jimmys and Joes. You got to go recruit these type of guys. You got to go recruit big-time players. You got to have more than four guys on the preseason all-SEC team if you're going to have a realistic chance to, to challenge and to get back to where we once were—that's all I'm saying. So, but again, congratulations to those four Gamecocks who were mentioned, who were named the coaches' preseason All SEC team. All right, let's get to your listener questions, and then we'll dive in our interview. Austin underscore forty five says, "How often do you think the linebackers?" will be rotated in and out, I think, pretty often. I think pretty often, especially until you find a guy to step up and be the leader because right now, I, I just, you know, I, there's nothing that I've heard, I'll tell you, man, there's nothing I've heard that that tells me that there's one guy or even two guys that are standing out at the linebacker position. I, I think certainly when you're in the four-two-five, you want to get your athletes out there. I think you're going to see a mixture of Debo Williams, Sherrod Green, Mo Cabba, Damani Staley, uh, Racendo Lewis, I think you're going to see these guys rotate in and out for sure. I mean, you have to have a rotation, man. You have to have depth. Brad Johnson, you got to have depth. So Austin G, I would expect to see them rotate in and out fairly often, especially until you find that one Ernest Jones-type leader for this group, if you will. Uh, JG803 says, is Zeb the starter? Like I told you earlier, Jay, you know, at this point, as crazy as it sounds, if I had to bet on it, I would say Zeb Nolan is your starter week one, believe it or not. I think he is. Uh, Final question, Kirk Broom, do any of our players have NIL deals? Yes, they do. I don't have the list in front of me necessarily to go down each and every single player and what their NIL deals are. Um, You know, but a lot of our guys do. A lot of our guys have taken advantage of it, which is a great thing. Now, I'm kind of waiting, if you will, sitting back. I I think I'm going to execute on some NIL stuff at some point in regards to merchandise with some of our guys. But uh, I've been kind of sitting back and just waiting and seeing how this whole thing pans out. It's it's really interesting because it's the wild, wild west right now. But, hey, kudos to our guys. We've definitely had some guys take advantage and and get some cool NIL stuff. And, uh, you know, very happy for them. Very happy they're taking advantage of it and making money off their name, image, and likeness. All right, guys, appreciate the listener questions. Like I said, don't go anywhere. we got a fantastic conversation, fantastic interview. The head coach of Gamecocks Rugby. Guys, you know... You all know, you know. I love football, baseball, basketball. We love the big sports at South Carolina, But the Spurs Up Show also supports every single team on campus: lacrosse, hockey, and guess what? That includes Gamecocks rugby as well. John Roberts, the head coach of Gamecocks rugby, he joined me. Phenomenal conversation, guys. Please listen. What they're doing, the initiatives making sure that Coach John Roberts is employed full-time for them because, of course, this is something where, you know, it, it is a, a club team, if you will, and, um, you know, they have to raise the money themselves. So if you go to carolinarugbycoaching.com, by the way, that's Coaching.com. that is where you can go donate. If you feel out of the goodness of your heart, if you're a former Gamecock, if you're a Gamecock alumni and you want to help out the rugby team, Help pay John Roberts salary. Also, guys, you're helping the kids. You're helping them travel. You're helping pay for jerseys, for equipment, all that good stuff. You can go to Coaching.com and click on the Donate button to help the Carolina Coaching Initiative and Carolina Rugby in general. Also, guys, uscrugby.org. That's uscrugby.org is where you can find all their news, their schedule. You can look at the roster. You can donate there as well. You can look at alumni. They've got a lot of cool videos as well. So, again, carolinarugbycoaching.com and uscrugby.org. we But again, a great conversation with the head coach of Gamecocks, rugby John Roberts. And it's all brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. Guys, attention. Listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you to take off with their fourth-generation and brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with a performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job and the leaders in male grooming. Guys, join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com slash TSUS20 for 20% off and free shipping. Guys, we've all been there, right? We're trimming... We're manscaping. We cut ourselves. We nick ourselves. It hurts like hell, by the way. We're bleeding. Don't let that happen again, guys. Are you ready for an out-of-world experience? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. This thing's global. Inside this package, guys, you're going to find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball deodorant, Crop Provider Toner, Performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. First schedule for liftoff, the new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship's here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even Uranus. This 4th generation trimmer also features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Th- thanks to their advanced advanced skin-safe technology, the Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock and is even waterproof. The Lone 4.0 also has a 4,000K LED spotlight. You can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across The Universe, and guys, the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and your ear. The Weed Whacker, it's also waterproof, and it uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. And guys, don't forget to use the Crop Preserver Ball deodorant and their Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Manscaped even threw in, threw in two free gifts of the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Abort Harry Balls and Buzz Lightyear, that Woody, with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash T-S-U-S-20. That's 20% off and free shipping by going to manscape.com/slash slash T-S-U-S-20 for a clear trinity and beyond your space balls. Well, thank you, guys. Once again, appreciate you all tuning in now. Enjoy this conversation with the head coach of Gamecocks Rugby, John Roberts. All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show, a little bit of a different interview today. Very excited about this one, guys. Again, he's from actually University of South Carolina, class of 1990. Founder and coach of Furman Rugby, was there for 20 years, a three-time national champion and a three-time runner-up. With the Paladins, now you give me your title in regards to the South Carolina, University of South Carolina Rugby Club. I'm the
2: volunteer head rugby coach at the University of South Carolina.
1: And the soon-to-be full-time head coach. That's right. The that's coming down and we're going right. to get to that more in just a second. Good, but again, appreciate good. you taking the time. Great. Thank yes.
2: you. Thanks, man.
1: Thank you for coming by the studio. John Roberts. John, appreciate you taking the time, man. Like I said, let's let's talk about, of course, our good friend people that are tuned in this show right now. They know Phil Harris setting this up again to bring awareness. I told you before we get on just off the air. Um, I really feel it's important to bring a positive light and everything that's happening positively on campus. And, you know, not just with football, baseball, basketball, you know, we think of Gamecocks athletics and all that good stuff. But, you know, we've had the lacrosse coach on we've had the hockey coach and now we've got rugby so we're hitting awesome. all the we're, we're hitting sort of all the sports that people don't necessarily think about but again you guys are doing a great job and really excited to like I said bring awareness to what's going on behind the scenes with you guys and of course your season coming up but again first things first John appreciate you taking the time uh we'll go back to again you went to the University of South Ghana went to Furman I just love to hear again I, I told you on the phone last week by the way I'm probably going to ask you some very elementary questions. I'm not a rugby guy necessarily. Phil has tried to teach me as well as he could, but I'm still pretty lost. But going back to your college days and then going to Furman, obviously you founded the team there and you were the coach there. Just talk about your path overall to Furman. Um, If you want to reflect on your time at South Carolina, I know that was a you know, a couple moons ago, but uh, I mean, it, you know, I, I just love to hear kind of your initial path to Furman and starting up that that club there. If you no, it was team.
2: more than a couple of moons ago. I mean, <laughs> this is back in the uh, in the late '80s, and uh, I'm an upstate native. I'm from Spartanburg, okay, and I played football right. at Spartanburg High School, loved athletics, went to Wofford for a year, uh, transferred to Carolina, uh, was not big enough to play in college, <laughs> and. You know, I arrived and was on the horseshoe and was out one day just kind of throwing the football around. And this fellow walked up to me. His name is uh, uh, Warren Motley. We called him Rico. He was from Barbados. And he just kind of walked up and he spied me. And I was a little bigger then. I was probably about 215 pounds. I had right. shoulders. My shoulders have disappeared at 54. But anyway, he walked up to me and he says, hey, man, you ever heard of rugby? <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I think I've heard of it. He goes, you want to give it a try? And I said, yeah, why not? You know, I'm new on campus. I don't know anybody. I need to make friends. He came by and picked me up Mm. and went by uh, at my apartment on Decesore. You know, and a lot of your folks know where Decesore is. It's right there next to McKissick. Mm. And I walked down and joined the rugby team. And I loved it. You know, up to that point in my life, I was a first-gen college student. Mm. So I'd mostly just kind of been around kids from the upstate, and I walked out there, and there were, uh, there were a lot of Yankees on the team. <laughs> uh, there were some international folks, West Coast folks. And it just kind of opened my eyes, and mm. it was really fun. And we didn't have much of a coach. We had a couple coaches that kind of floated in and out, but it was a really good experience. Mm. But it sparked in me mm. a passion for this game. Mm. You know, it's a hard game. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you hear it, football you know, without pads, and it is rough. Mm. Um, and it takes a certain kind of person to play it. It take, takes the resilience and a grit to play the game. And and uh, and it's a brotherhood, yeah. you know, the people that go on there. And it, it's really true. When you go through and you, you, know, and you uh, tackle and you hit and you bleed and you sweat and you hurt, uh, you develop a, a brotherhood with the guys on your team, but also mm. with other people who play the game. Mm. And that's what's so cool about rugby. You can walk into a pub. In any part of the world that has rugby, and you can say I'm a rugby player, you have an instant. <laughs> so anyway, I loved right. it, and I played in Augusta for a while. My first okay. job, I went to the J school and graduated. I worked in newspapers. I'm actually
1: from North Augusta. Oh, so, you're from North yeah, Augusta. There you okay. go. Yeah, CSRA was, connection.
2: There hey, you go. man, I was, that was my beat. That was my <clears> beat. Of course, I was there probably when you were not even a fall. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I worked there in newspapers for a while. Back when newspapers were relevant, right. you know, they've kind of fallen to the wayside. And then I went up to the Greenville News, Worked in the Greenville News for a while, and then uh, made the jump to higher education in 1995. Okay, So I went to work at uh, Furman University up there. Okay. So worked there for a while. Um, they did not have a rugby team. Right. And there was a student that I played with at Greenville. He was from Argentina, and his name was Mark Roberts. No relation. <laughs> but he said, hey, coach. I mean, he didn't call me coach at the time. He said, John, can you start a team at Furman? And so I said, yeah, we'll make a run of it. Let's go. So I asked permission from my wife. She gave me permission because I had already retired from playing rugby at the right. time. And we started a team and, uh, we had some success and, you know, uh, three or four years into it, we won uh, a division three. Now it's called a small college championship. Okay. And then we won it three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Remarkably. I mean, we traveled <laughs> up to Philadelphia to New York and mm-hmm. played and then, um, and then we were a runner-up three times. Right. We moved up to division and um, were successful there. And, you know, the second to last year, we coached at Furman. We were in the Division Two national finals. You know, wow. along the way, we were able to build a rugby stadium right there on Furman's campus really yeah did a lot of good wow. work with the kids and the parents appreciated it mm. and then the trustees voted the name the uh the stadium after me so John S. Roberts wow. it's right there at Furman it's right next to Paladin Stadium so wow. we raised I don't know about 350 <laughs> 400,000 dollars to construct that mm. but it wasn't an outgrowth of the wins because you know the wins were great but it was just it was just the personal relationships that we that we had and then the parents of the Furman players really appreciated Uh, the value added you know they grew up a lot playing rugby and so they were really appreciative and then we reached out to some of the folks too
1: three national championships yeah three times you know me and Phil were actually talking I think you're probably the most accomplished head coach to ever grace this uh this studio I mean I don't I don't think I've ever had a national champion period in any sport so I mean three-time national champions that 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 is very very impressive and like I said a stadium named after you that that again that's that is also a first for me. So,
2: well, you know, as we have kind of gone through this process of me uh, coming down here to university of South Carolina, by nature, I'm pretty humble. I don't Mm -hmm. like to talk about myself, but I've learned to talk about myself over the last couple of months as we've done what we're have been doing to get me here. But, uh, but yeah, it was a great honor, right? you know, to do, to do those things. And, um, we had some success. We had some great players, really mm. good organization. Mike Miller was my assistant coach there. He's the head coach now. He was a big part of our success. Mm. Had a lot of people Help us out along the way. Right.
1: And like you said, now you're back at the University of South Ghana, of course, your alma mater. And you know, like you were saying, off air, you were, you know, everybody wanted you to come back. And right now you're the volunteer head coach. Again, I, I told you before we got going, I'm really excited to have you on to just bring awareness to this. And obviously there's a goal right now to fundraise the money to like because like you said, it's 2021. You got to make a salary. It's kind of hard to work for free, of course, and to bring yep. your talents to Columbia, South Ghana. Yep. But yep. the rugby community and the rugby alumni. You You were talking about it's been incredible for USC and obviously wanting to get you here and trying to, you know, once the previous coach stepped down, obviously getting you to Columbia, just talk about what that's been like. Obviously again, you can talk about the website also Carolina rugby coaching.com, which will be dropping the link. Like I said, certainly to bring awareness to that. Right. But uh, yeah, if you want to talk about that, just, how the conversation even started, you know, when you made the decision to come to Columbia? Because I'm, for, I'm sure for you it was a sweet moment, obviously, c- coming back home, if you will.
2: No, it's been a great it's, – it's been a great homecoming for me. Um, so I'm, we're, I'm coaching at Furman, and we're collecting these championships, and we have the field, and we actually host a lot of national championship tournaments at Furman. So we had a really big footprint at Furman. And then about three and a half years ago, I decided to pursue another opportunity, professional opportunity at mm. another college, Piedmont University. Okay. So I became the associate vice president of marketing and communications there. So I stepped away from coaching. Right. And um, and all the while, you know, while I'm working at Furman and coaching as a volunteer uh, at the rugby team, you know, I maintain my close friendships with a lot of my teammates mm. here at University of South Carolina. And we get together about every year to go do something, mm. you know? And I'll tell you a little funny story, you know, back when University of first, South Carolina first started hosting rugby alumni games, mm. I was one of like only 10 people that started showing up, you know, right? And, uh, and they had these events and only a few alumni came up and the coach at the time, Howard Hunt, mm. said, we have these events and the only guys that show up are the same drunk 10. <laughs> <laughs> and so from that on, you know, we were called the D10. We called right. ourselves the D10. D10. So the D10 gets together. And there were guys right. like in their 50s, you know, and their late 40s. And we get together all the time. And all the while, they're saying, man, you got to come back and coach Carolina. Mm. You know, Carolina's good. You got to come back. We got to find a way to get you here, you know. And so I'm listening. And then when I left coaching, they, man, are you going to come back to coach? We want you to coach at Carolina. I said, We well, got to coach for one thing, mm. right? And if we do it, I'm not going to do it for free. Right. So then when Mark Moore stepped away, um, this past you know about a year ago not even a year ago in the spring he stepped away from stepped away from coaching to spend more time with his grandkids and then that suddenly created an opportunity mm. so then members of the carolina rugby foundation this is like five or six guys and they uh raised money for events and stuff for carolina they came to me and they said we want you to be coach mm. and i said i like i can't do it for free you know i have three kids that are out of college now So I can take a little bit of a pay cut, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm not doing it for free. They said, what's it going to take? So we went to the university of South Carolina and they worked with us, with with us through this. And they said, you know, we want John to come here to be the coach because he's a culture guy, Mm -hmm. because he's going to help our young men become better young men. And so they set up a fund at the university of South Carolina. And so we began outreach with our alumni and some of our friends and some of my friends and some of my family to raise the money needed to get me here, to get it set up. We had to raise $85,000. Now we're up really close to 70 right Mm. now. We've had a hundred people step up uh, and make gifts. Last week we had 34 people, uh contribute to combined $15,000. So, wow. And we're doing this all we're doing zooms with alumni. Right.
1: Organically, all, all organically.
2: Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, we're we're making calls, we're posting videos. Some of the videos are on carolinarugbycoaching.com <laughs> so you can mm-hmm. go see them. A lot of people just speak to me about my, about what I bring to the table yeah. and then uh, some folks just talk about, you know, the need for a coach, mm-hmm. you know. We're a club team at Carolina. Right. Okay, so we have been around since 1967, that's
1: a long time. And that's that's one. The, like a, on a side note, I wanted to ask you about the. There's obviously a rich tradition and history with the with the rugby team because obviously, if all these alum are reaching reaching out and people going out of their way to to give gifts and donations, like you're saying. I mean, there. I'd love to hear like just you know the footnotes version but I mean there's obviously this proud tradition in history that you know I'll be honest I'm not familiar with it I'm sure many people tuned in maybe they're not as well versed in either but like I said it sounds like there is a really really proud tradition in history with the rugby team
2: there is I mean Carolina back in the 70s and 80s had one of the best college uh, rugby programs in the country Um, you know up until recently before COVID hit Mm -hmm. I mean Uh, USC was participating in seven. There's two versions of (laughs) rugby. There's 15s and sevens, but they were uh, playing on national television. Wow. uh, uh, You know, representing South Carolina um, in the Penn State Mutual. I think it's called up. It's up in Philadelphia. They were playing on national television. Mm -hmm. South Carolina, you know, has been ranked uh, in the division one, a um, top 25 before. Mm -hmm. So there's a really good tradition. We have a thousand alumni. We have alumni uh, gatherings every year. We get a lot of people that come yeah. back and uh, there's a lot of interest and a lot of people that really, um, when you wear that that garnet in black and you play for the Cox and uh, <laughs> there's a special bond there, mm. people that keep in touch. For so sure. it's been good kind of reconnecting with people and then making new friends. You know, you got it when you when you fundraise, you have to friend raise. <laughs> so we've been doing a lot of that.
1: And like you said, it's at Carolina is where they can go donate and, and, and that's right. And, uh, contribute to the cause, obviously. Cause again, we want to see rugby be successful. Just like I told, like I told you, man, off air, I know people don't give love necessarily to, but I think when lacrosse won the national championship and I think it was summer of 19, I think that brought up a lot of awareness too. And I, I did my best to try to do so. And like, hey, I mean, I know it's a club sport, but, a national, championship's a national championship is a national championship. I don't, I, you know, for South Carolina, I mean, let's just call it what it is. We don't have enough national titles to go around like the, you know, one national title is lesser than the other. So I just think it's important to highlight all the great things, all the sports on campus are doing, no matter if you want to label it as club or whatever it may be. And it's like, I told you, man, there's, there is no lacrosse hockey or rugby besides club. So I look at it as it's just the lacrosse hockey and rugby teams. So.
2: Oh, well, I appreciate yeah. that. You know, it, But there are a a number of colleges and universities in the Southeast and across the nation that have varsity Mm. rugby programs. Uh, And they have paid coaches that are supported just through the school's regular budgetary process. Mm. Uh, Lander, right down the road, not far from where you went to college. I mean, they have the paid rugby coach, varsity scholarships. Queens College up in uh, in Charlotte has Mm. one. Southern Virginia has one. Uh, Belmont Abbey just started one what these smaller schools understand is that rugby can be an avenue to recruit students. Mm. Now in South Carolina, I mean, we only have like four or five high school teams at one time we had 12, but if you go Mm. up in the Northeast and up in Virginia, you know, and if you go out West and California and some areas out there, um, there's a really robust um, high school rugby presence there. Mm. And when you play it and you fall in love with it, then those kids that play high school rugby up in the Northeast and these other parts, they want to go to a place where there's a program. Mm-hmm. You know, Clemson also has a paid coach and they're really? supported through their. Uh, that's like, enough right there hey, for us. Man, that That's
1: enough right there for us. We can just stop the show. Everybody go donate. Let's we got to beat Clemson. That, you gotta that's beat, it. Yeah. Got to beat Clemson. That's literally <laughs> it. Just stop it there.
2: I mean, that's one of the selling points. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Clemson has a head coach. They pay their head coach. How much do oh, you need? God, How you much do you need? We got to make it. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Cut a check. Go to, yeah. uh, go to Carolina coaching.com yeah. and help us out.
1: Yeah, for sure. What I'll ask you about this year's team. Again, like I said, I'm, I'm going to ask you very elementary questions. So like I'm not going to ask about like specific positions or anything like that, but the team that you're inheriting, what do you know about them? What do you like about them? What's, I mean, what's your, you know, obviously I know that the fundraising is the, is the focus, but I'm sure you're obviously thinking about the team that you have and, I mean, I guess you could even explain to me, like, what makes a – what's the difference in a good rugby team and a team that's not good, if you will. Um, I, I'll tell you, like, I had a, I had a couple buddies that actually played rugby at East Carolina, and those were some bad dudes. Like like you said, it takes a certain type of yeah. – those were some bad – I actually had – I think one of the guys – again, this is when I back lived back in Charlotte, just kind of a funny story. Like, one of the guys I think actually played for, like, USA. Like, he was a legitimate, like, yeah. pro rugby – I mean, he was a monster. Like, he was a – Kind of a maniac, but yeah. No, I mean, it, the team you have now, what do you like? And I, again, just for the, for us that are just very, very elementary with the basics, like what makes a good rugby team, a good team?
2: Aggressiveness mm. and working together. That's what so it's it a
1: strategy game. game. I'm assuming. Oh, yes, yes. It's a strategy. Okay. It's not like people what? think of just, people think it's just like people bashing their heads together and. you know.
2: No, no, no. There's a lot to it. Right. It's different though. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you're Frank Martin and you're on the on 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 the <laughs> on your side of the court screaming at your guys to right. do this or do that. Are you Shane Beamer and your offensive coordinators right. calling in plays? I mean, you basically coach the boys up, mm. you send them out there on the field, and then the players pretty much run the game. Right. I mean, you can set you can tell something, you can tell communicate some things, mm. you know, from the sidelines. But if you go overseas and you watch professional rugby, the coaches sit up in the stands, you know, and bite their fingernails um mm. because it's the players that are in charge it's very much a player's game right. um and you know we built our success you know at, at Furman just by being able to do the basics mm. you know and some of your listeners are probably going to be unfamiliar with some <laughs> of this te- terminology but we ruck and mm. we tackle very well and mm. we pass mm. and that's those are the fundamentals and so i'm just a big coach on the fundamentals that's the foundation of a home And then once you master those, then you build up. Mm. And then if those are a falter, then you go back to the foundation and you rebuild the house. So in terms of this uh, year's team, honestly, I just met them for the first time right yesterday okay we met up at russell house mm. i've had some zooms with them and talked to some of the captains mm. but yesterday was the first time I, yeah, I mean i guess
1: students did just get back on campus so I mean, yeah they did to, we're to be gonna, fair we our yeah. first
2: practice over at love field you know not far from where mm. we are right now right on um on wednesday night so okay. we're going to know a lot more i've been building up my coaching staff mm. so a guy named tony cogiola has joined us he used to coach the asheville men's team he's a green beret mm. you know this is a real tough uh, military structure guy and then I we I met this guy named Chris Holmes. He's an English fellow, and he is uh, kind of a rugby nerd, and uh, he's going to join our staff too. Mm-hmm. So he's going to help us out. And he lives up in Lexington and just moved to uh, to the Midlands in uh, in December. So I'm excited to get those guys.
1: We got a lot of new coaches on uh, on campus. Shane Beamer, Tony Annan, the swimming and diving coach, and. John I mean, Roberts, yeah. yeah john roberts the rugby coach i, I mean I've heard who, my name who's mentioned. gonna have who's gonna have the best year one <laughs> in columbia i don't know it's it's we're gonna have to reflect on this in a few months and see who's you don't don't sleep on uh john roberts and the rugby team now hey. on, on on the uh, on year one successes don't we
2: want to be in the equation
1: <clears throat> for sure dude before i get you out of here man this has been incredible again just bringing awareness to you what your team's doing everything else but we got to talk about c pappy i mean i i was able to i told you and people are like what is he talking about so I was able to watch the video. It's been Carolina Rugby's mascot for, it sounds like, forever. Um, yeah. It's, like, tr- explain, again, walk people to explain what this is. Because, again, this is something I'd love to post this video on social media because I think it's just incredible. But it's, like, literally this, like, wooden statue type deal or something like that. Like, what what is, what is Pappy? What are the origins of it? How did it come to be? And I'm assuming it's still around now, correct?
2: Well, C Pappy is physically no longer with us. No, no, he met an untimely demise. Uh, I'm not sure when to get into the podcast. What happened to C oh, Pappy? But no. he, un- he met an untimely demise. A new era. It was but time for a new photos era. Photos C Pappy, <laughs> and he has his own Facebook page. Why do I feel
1: like the D10 is to blame for oh, C Pappy's demise? I think
2: it was. I think it happened like after the D10. You know. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going okay. to make a long story really short. Like back in the late 80s, if you can imagine. A um like a chess piece, a right. big wooden chess piece that's about life size. Yeah.
1: It, I mean it looked like a sizable yeah piece for sure. Yeah. It's like as tall as you know you yeah. or I, I thought as tall right. as, as
2: tall yeah. as me, probably not as tall as you, but anyway. So C Pappy uh is looks like a like an 1860s uh seafaring guy, you know, <laughs> and I don't know the full story. And I, I maybe if I did, I wouldn't tell him the podcast, but he was somehow acquired, right? you know, by the rugby guys. <laughs> and uh, then they painted him, paint right. him up in a jersey, mm. and a USC jersey, and then he started coming to the parties, and he started coming to the games, and then he became this uh, unofficial mascot of sort of 1980s, 1990s USC rugby. Every, every alumni event he showed up, everybody had their photos uh, taken with him. And so we're raising money, you know, and I'm kind of helping the foundation raise the money. So I'm trying to think of, uh, we've been doing all these serious videos from my former players that say how great I was. And then current uh, young alumni and older alumni talking about how it, would, how it would be transformational, you know, to get a rugby coach at Carolina, come, come and support us. And then I thought, man, we got to do something that's a little, uh, that's a little light mm. and it's a little fun. So um, <laughs> so we took Pappy. And I had like a little, uh, a hand sized sort of uh, miniature C mm. And that's another story, but I have one. So we decided to give C Pappy a voice.
1: <laughs> so that was you. That, that was, was me. That was God. The C. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was incredible. The, the video, folks, you, you're going to see it on social media. It is, <laughs> it is phenomenal. I watched it probably about 20 minutes before John got here. And yeah. I can, it, it literally, it truly, exceeded all of my expectations for sure man,
2: i appreciate it I, <laughs> I had more fun making that than yeah. anybody is gonna have watched it i'll yeah. tell you
1: <laughs> C pappy what a le- i feel like we need a little miniature C pappy for the studio now i, hey, I think man, that'd be a I, great addition I can do for you yeah that'd be, that'd be a, a little little mini mini yeah. rep all right john this has been a pleasure again let's let's make sure we remind people one more time because i feel like the i know the people that are tuned into this show the people that follow support the spurs up show and, and rock with our content rock what we do they are huge Gamecock fans to a fault, no matter the sport, no matter the venture, no matter what it is. So, I feel confident we're going to be able to help you hit that goal. But, again, one more time, carolinarugbycoaching.com. carolinarugbycoaching.com. You want to say some final words on just hey, kind of I the initiative it. and, you know, you, no, you being No, I appreciate here. it. Yeah. Uh,
2: any, any help you can get. And um, our club also has – our team also has a webpage, uscrugby.org. Or you can just go to Google and search. Hmm. Check it out. Uh, we have a fall schedule coming up. Uh, we have like four uh, home games. We play out um, at Bluff Fields, which is right by the stadium. So check out our schedule. And uh, if it's in your heart, you know, make a donation, support mm. us. The money not only goes to support uh, the coaching salary, but it also goes to support travel expenses.
1: Yeah. And support, just, the just, yeah, support the kids. mean support the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: a lot of it is going is to help do that. But um, support that if it's in your heart. Look at the schedule. Come mm. on out. And, uh, we're, I, I told the boys yesterday and I saw them yesterday for the first time. I said, it's a new day, it's new era, a nice, man. And they are enthusiastic and enthusiasm's like a virus, man. Mm. You know, we live in virus times. <laughs> it, it, can, it can, uh, it, it can be catchy. Right. And I'm just, you know, there's an enthusiasm and support and talk and chatter mm. about USC rugby and what we're doing and this is helping us even more yeah so i appreciate it yeah like
1: you said uscrugby.org i've actually got the schedule pulled up you guys have a ton of games from september all the way to december so definitely i will be popping out there the spurs up show will be popping out there supporting maybe shooting some video like i said just continue to bring awareness to what you guys are doing october the 23rd actually at clemson i have to ride up there and uh give give, give the boys some hell <laughs> get, get, give them the support up there and uh in Tiger Town. So, like I said, man, tons of opportunities to watch John Roberts squad again, uscrugby.org. And then again, like you said, Carolina Rugby to donate. Again, John, this is a lot of fun. John Roberts, appreciate oh, brother, you. Taking I appreciate the time, it, man. Friend. Yeah, he's John Roberts. I'm Chris Phillips. You appreciate you guys taking the time, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show.